Welcome to Homeschool Your Way, the upbeat, open-minded podcast that informs and affirms your choices about your kids' education. We'll provide a buffet of ideas to inspire you to homeschool your way, because your way is the best way. All of the content on the Homeschool Your Way podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical or legal advice. The views expressed by the hosts or guests of the show are not necessarily endorsed by Bookshop. Welcome to Homeschool Your Way. I'm Jana Cook, your guest host and the community manager at Bookshark. In this episode, I'm joined by Lindsay Neural, a mom of six, a small business owner, and author of Homeschool Hacks, How to Give Your Kid a Great Education Without Losing Your Job or Your Mind. Lindsay will encourage you to celebrate the successes of your homeschool year, no matter how unconventional it was. And although you may not have checked all the boxes, rest assured, your children have learned. In homeschool your way style, here's the quote of the week and my lesson learned. Every child has a different learning style and pace. Each child is unique, not only capable of learning, but also capable of succeeding. Robert John Nehem. This became so evident to me as I observed my youngest daughter working through the same curriculum differently than her older sisters. Instead of forcing her to do it the right way, I let her blossom her own way. There are still days I find myself trying to get her to fit into the box, but then I remember to breathe and respect her uniqueness. Let's hear from Lindsay and how she stays out of the box in her homeschooling. This session was taken from a previously recorded talk sponsored by Bookshark. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I would love for you to tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. So um, first, I'm a mom of six children, ranging in age from just graduating college down to seven years of age. And I run a full-time media business. Um, And of course, I have the book. And I live in very rural Nebraska. And I like have geese and chickens and fruit trees and I do a lot of canning and gardening and um, just try to keep busy learning new things every day. Try to keep busy. It sounds like you're busy (laughs) without even trying. It is, but I'm one of those people, I think I get it from my grandmother where I can't sit down because there's always something that I want to try or do and um, I just don't have it in me. So (laughs) what's your favorite thing you like to can? Uh, I'm trying meat. Um, it's not my, it's my favorite to eat, but it freaks me out to do it. (laughs) I think just good old fashioned tomatoes. Um, pretty simple. Yes, it is. Well, talking about your book that you wrote homeschool hacks, I am just really interested in what inspired you to write this book. Sure. So actually seven years ago, almost eight, uh, I went to a conference and pitched the idea And it was promptly rejected by just about everybody because there aren't enough people that homeschool is what I was told. And so I put it in a drawer and uh, I think it was just this stuff with the pandemic last year where I thought, you know, this might be a thing again. I bet I can get some interest. And so I found an agent who promptly sold it and it was a very fast um, from start to finish, um, just mind boggling how quickly everything kind of took form. And then it was out. So uh, it was an idea that had been percolating then for like eight additional years. (laughs) When you first wrote it eight years ago, what did you think um, 
What did you hope to accomplish by putting those words into a book? I was hoping that people would do, actually not do what I do every day, which is constantly compare and feel bad and doubt and think that you have to get all these things in order before you're equipped to teach your children. We are really good about communicating with other homeschoolers, but I think sometimes we don't take the good from that. We take the, oh, I guess I should be doing this now, which I don't know why we do it. Um, it's just it's just something humans do. And I was hoping by showing more stories and providing kind of a more diverse landscape of what homeschooling could look like, that maybe somebody would take from it, oh, here's something I can use Here's what doesn't work for me, but just have kind of a little bit more variety of what the traditional homeschool family looks like, because it's, it's really not very traditional. It's, it's whatever that family looks like, and then learning kind of mixed in. I find that um, I, even as an adult, need permission to, yeah. to let things go. Um, again, I don't know if that's my personality, if that's our society, but I do. I put all of these things on me as a homeschool mom and I have to sit down and talk to myself in third person and say, you don't have to do it the way they do it. One thing in particular is sports. A lot of my kids' homeschooling friends are into sports. It's just something that we've never done. And so for years, I have felt this guilt of I'm cheating my children. They don't get to do these things that these other kids are doing. Um, it just really never fit into our family schedule until recently. And now that my daughters are older, they're getting ready to drive. It's like, oh, wait, sports is kind of coming back around. And Part of me is like, oh, maybe I should have started them earlier. And then the other part of me is like, you know what? It's fine. It, it is what it is. Like they'll enter when they want to enter and it'll it'll all work out. But man, sometimes we just need space to breathe and someone to tell us like, it's okay if your kid doesn't start playing that sport at three. <laughs> they still can have fun in high school while playing it. Definitely. And we went through a very similar, you know, where we were like, okay, maybe we need to do solo sports. Maybe my child needs to train for a marathon or, you know, that like we had to kind of make that work with our schedule and our lifestyle. And, and you get very creative when uh, you're presented with these challenges. Speaking of creativity, you have six children. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So tell us um, just a little bit about maybe one of your favorite hacks from the book, something that when you were writing it, you were just like, yep, this is me. This is why this works. Sure. So it's actually kind of, it sounds formal, but it's not. We, we kind of sabotage ourselves all the time by expecting children to do things that require a higher level of um, moderation or interaction or supervision than what we have to give. And we do this all the time where we hand like a younger child a workbook and we step away and we think we're going to get something done. And then we're like, oh, but that child can't read or (laughs) that child, you know, has never encountered. We just somehow don't make the connection. Um, And so I've learned to kind of prioritize tasks that children do and tasks that I do into buckets where if a child needs a lot of supervision, that goes into like an A bucket. And if I need to um, work on something for a client that goes into a C bucket, and then I got to, you know, those buckets don't line up. So it's, it's like a reprioritization where you're saying, what things do I do every day that I can do with my child in the room, you know, checking emails, 
maybe some people can pay bills. Maybe some people can, you know, fold laundry or sort socks or whatever it is that you do with my child while we do math versus if I'm on a client call or I'm doing like a Zoom interview with you, that would not be a good time to hand my child a workbook on a first time, um, you know, project. That would be something where, you know, maybe you hand them the Kindle and there's a learning app, but we, we have to kind of figure out where our tasks match up. So you're learning to like save the Kindle time to when I have my client call, even though it might be tempting to give it to them now while I'm making dinner. So that's been kind of a really hard thing for me to get my head around, even though it makes so much sense. And I've just kind of encouraged people to write down all the tasks you do in the day and all the tasks you expect of your child and see where they line up. And they might not all line up. And then you're going to have to figure out what gets tossed for the next day, or maybe you need to lower your expectations. I know when I was reading that portion of the book, it was kind of a light bulb moment for me because um, one of the subjects my daughter who's homeschooling tends to struggle in is science. And she does it at the time of the day where I'm typically checked out and full-time focused on my work. So then it kind of gets either halfway done or, oh yeah, I did it. But then I go back and look, it's not really done. So like you said, it seems so simple. But I think sometimes as a parent, it's overwhelming. If somebody says, write down the tasks, and if I sit down to try to write a list, it's almost like writer's block. My mind goes blank. I'm like, I don't know what I have to do throughout the day. And so when I was reading through that, I was like, oh, what I need to do is like put a reminder in my phone and like, or look at my calendar. Cause everything that we do nowadays, it seems like is in a calendar. And instead of trying to organically just come up with this list off the top of our head, it's like, oh wait, let me look at my calendar. What do I have during the day? What time is that going to be at? What should I tell her to do? So just follow your, follow your advice. But it did it when I first read it, though, it felt overwhelming. I was like, I don't know, that seems like a lot of work. But like anything I feel like with homeschool, when we put the work in on the front end, then it works so much smoother on the back end. That's true. And also as your child changes, you're going to be shifting your lists. I had a child that was great in math and now every math lesson is a struggle. Mm -hmm. Why do I have to do this? I don't understand. You know, I'm just like attitude. It is, it requires my full attention. And so something like math that might've been a hands-off thing before is now the most hands-on part of my day. So that will change as well, which just really throws a wrench into the works. But as you kind of figure that out, you can take a note, like you said, and be like, okay, this meeting's going on. We are not doing math during this time. We may not do math today because it's so crazy. And that is okay, you know, but you're, you figure that out as you go. That is just, it's great advice. I really, um, like I said, I really enjoyed when I was reading through that part. Um, the other thing I think too is, as I was reading through your book, as I do with most books these days, I just realized how much I have to change, <laughs> how much I, as a homeschool parent, need to be less rigid in the way I think it needs to be done. Um, because in my mind, you don't just get math for a day. That's mutiny. But really, that is, is that permission. Once again, like, actually, you can skip math for a day, a week, if you're having a hectic week. Like, it doesn't have to be so rigid. Part of that is my personality, I think. I'm like, uh, these are the rules, and this is why you do it. Um, 
But looking at your homeschool curriculum more as a guide, it's to help guide you. I, we had another speaker who said, you know, it's not a dictator. I was like, oh my gosh, why are you speaking directly to me? <laughs> yes, it's so true. And here I'm five years complete and I still need these reminders of like, let it go. It can be done a different way. It doesn't have to look the way you're, someone else is doing it. So I really appreciated that. The other thing I loved was just talking about your um, flexibility with work schedule and homeschooling, that it doesn't have to be, you know, wake your child up so that you can get some stuff done. Cause you know, you know, if that works great, but my kid sleeps in. So it's like, okay, yeah, I can do a couple hours of work before she gets up, before I get her going in her homeschool and how just thinking outside of that box, which I think this year more than ever, we're more um, apt to do that, but it was great to see it in print and go, okay, I'm on the right track. I'm, we're doing okay. Um, so I was very encouraged. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. And the thing is too, is this year, you know, I, I see a lot with new homeschoolers and they're panicking and they're trying to like figure out what the structure is and they try to do it all at once and they maybe try to do it too soon or they try to do it, um, you know, because they don't know. They've never homeschooled before. They only know what they know from public school when they went or when their child was in. But with this last year, everything was disrupted. If there is a time for you to try something and maybe have it not work, it's not like the whole world's going to like pass your child. Okay. We have a lot of grace over this last year. And, and even this coming year, things are going to be a little bit like we're not, we're feeling it out. We're figuring it out. And so if there is ever a time to kind of maybe take your structure and, and be a little more flexible with it, I think everyone thinks it's okay right now. I think it's okay most years, but if you're one of those people that you're like, I'm worrying my child is going to like really fall behind if we don't do all this, this is your time. Like you can really um, play around, experiment, try some things. No one's going to look at you and be like, your kid didn't do this from this time to this time because a lot of kids didn't. And so, you know, we're all giving each other some grace. It's a good opportunity, I think. I agree. And I think that this year, um, you know, even year and a half going into this next school year, I think that people are going to have just a different view of homeschool entirely. And I think there is going, we're going to lose some of that maybe criticism or sharper looking, you know, people looking for different things. When you say, oh, I homeschool, you know, it's going to be like, oh, I know when people said, how are your girls doing? I said, my girls are doing great. And they were like, really? There's so many people who can't say that. And I'm like, well, we've had no disruptions because we were already homeschooling. And people were like, oh, I'm like, yeah, they didn't miss any school, which much to my children's chagrin, they, they would have liked to miss a little school because of the pandemic. But speaking of the homeschool year in the pandemic, um, what do you think has been maybe one of the biggest homeschool myths that has maybe lost some of its luster this year because a lot of people have been home with their children? Goodness, that is, you know, I have a lot of myths. I don't know that the pandemic... <laughs> did a lot to shift um, some of them because they had to do with like availability of resources or socialization or some of these things that just were really stripped from the homeschool experience. So I found it kind of a little difficult to sell homeschooling as a, as an option because 
the taste of it that people got this year was very limited. Um, but I would say that the community really rose to the challenge. Um, the homeschool community, you know, when I first started as a, as a young mom, I felt judgment. I felt a lot of judgment um, because maybe I didn't like some of the curriculum that they were using, or I wanted kind of a more free form approach, or I was working, um, which was kind of a not common thing in, in the group that I was in. Uh, but I think we're really just figuring out that we all want to see each other succeed. Um, and that's not just like some bumper sticker thing. Like I really have seen the homeschool, the veterans, even the newbies that just had one year ahead of, of the new parents really come together and be like, what do you need? Do you need books? We've got that. Do you need, you know, me to sit and talk with you? We've got that virtual coffee, you know, take it easy. And I just, again, that grace, I saw a lot of people just really show support and just, it's okay. You've got this. And that is something where I didn't know really the homeschooling community could do I because, you know, I maybe didn't seek it, but seeing it and a lot of these Facebook groups and like what you're doing with this um, format here and podcasts and blogs. And it just, it really made me proud to be a homeschooler. And that was something I think the pandemic, <clears throat> excuse me, the pandemic kind of let us shine in that way. Um, and I think that did change the perception of the homeschool community. I found it interesting that instead of um the homeschool community being like, um, oh, well, you know, we've been homeschooling, so we don't have that problem. Like you said, it was like, oh my gosh, are you not, are you struggling with virtual? Then let me tell you how we're doing it. Um, you know, and accepting that a lot of people may just homeschool for this one year instead of going, oh, well, if you're not going to do it forever, if you haven't already been doing it, then we don't want you in our group. It was like, no, we, we want you to have a great time in this year. If you, you know, especially as we saw our friends and people that we knew just really struggling with how the school um, and districts were trying to do things and God bless them. They tried their hardest to do, (laughs) to scramble. I mean, who could have known what this year would bring, but but I agree. I think that was great to see um, homeschool communities just really um, kind of envelop their entire community, regardless of what they were choosing to do and be helpful. Um, so if we were going to say there was any positives to the pandemic, <laughs> I think maybe that would be one of them, which is good to see in our society. Definitely. It's time for a break in the action to hear from our sponsor. Bookshark was the best thing I've done for myself and my kids. That's what Dana said. And Tracy says, I definitely regret not starting Bookshark sooner. It has been such a great fit for our family. I couldn't agree more, Jimena. I have loved Bookshark so much. Me too. So friends, if you're wondering how you can jump on this Bookshark bandwagon, well, you can start by heading to bookshark.com. On the Bookshark website, you can request a free print catalog. So fun to browse a real magazine. Yes. Download samples and see scope and sequence charts of what's taught at each level. There's also a blog at bookshark.com blog with hundreds of articles written by dozens of authors. The Bookshark site just has so much free information about how to teach your kids at home, whether you use Bookshark or not. Well, here's another example. You can get free unit studies and try out the Bookshark way of literature-based learning 
at bookshark.com slash freebies. And Dee, you know how much I love unit studies. Me too. The new unit study for 2021 is about volcanoes. Yay! Well, let me share just two more quotes. Jill says, we switched to Bookshark Language Arts this year. This has been the best decision ever. We love how everything ties together. I can't tell you how grateful I am for Bookshark. We are looking forward to adding more subjects next year. And Catherine says, pulling my kids out of public school and getting Bookshark's full program saved our sanity. It was the best parenting decision we have made. We are so much happier now versus the kids staring lifelessly at screens all day. The open and go component and high quality literature for science, history, and language arts is amazing. Yes, and we've seen this ourselves with families that we recommended Bookshark to. Their kids were having such a hard time with distance learning and they made the switch. And they love it. So if you want to see if Bookshark is the best fit for your family, like it has been for these moms, then visit bookshark.com to get that free catalog and then add slash freebies to get free unit studies. Lindsay is ready to share with us how she quantifies a good homeschool year. But first, a homeschool hack from her book. Buy just what you need for now and begin. Lindsay states, when you think you've found the right material or online resources for your child, you can start shopping. Go slow. Buy what you need for one course at a time, if you can. This gives you a chance to try the courses in practice, and it makes it easy for you to change if you don't like what you see. To read more about this hack and many others, look for Lindsay's book, Homeschool Hacks. All right, Lindsay, we have a lot of people who are watching and listening who this has been their first year homeschooling. They may or may not have felt like they were successful at it. Um, They may really be doubting whether or not they want to continue or, you know, if their child even learned anything this year. So as a seasoned homeschooler, um, I would just like to know, how do you quantify a good homeschool year? Sure. Well, to be just completely transparent, I never feel like I've hit all the benchmarks. That's never happened. In all of our years of doing this, I've never looked and said, look, we checked all these off. We finished every curriculum. We that, That's never happened. But I've never looked back and really been disappointed. And I think that's because one, as long as I'm seeing significant growth Uh, in my child, in all the areas that we spent time in, I feel like we move forward. We saw improvement. We saw growth. That is automatically success because despite what people want us to think um, about public or private school, simply passing a child to the next level is not always indicative of what they learned. Um, We see a lot of times you know, kids just can't stay in the second grade forever. So they get moved for whatever reason. And, and that's not an indictment on the school system. It's just culturally, we don't feel comfortable holding children back grade levels. So in homeschool, where you can keep a child at a level for as long as needed to master that, we're going to sometimes see that look slower or look differently. So if I can say my child couldn't do this at the beginning of the year, and now they can, Um, whether that's third of the way, fourth of the way, all the way through the curriculum, that's a win. 
And, and then we also look at personal development goals. So children are learning all sorts of things that aren't in a textbook, um, potty training, you know, when that child gets done, you can't even, your mind is like, how did we live before this time, right? How did we do diapers? And the same can be said for children um, learning their hygiene, learning to help cook meals, doing chores, caring for pets, caring for family members, learning to drive. Um, These are all life skills that aren't always on the curriculum, but you know, as a parent, when they master that, the world opens up. And so we need to make sure we're, even if we didn't write them down at the beginning of the year, we kind of take a moment at the end where we say, you know, let's look at little Johnny and let's look at his growth. And what did he do that we couldn't believe he couldn't do at the beginning of the year that he can now? Those might not look like the hard science, math, reading, literature. They might look like just he learned some self-control tactics or he figured out how to sit down and do his math workbook and not start crying. Those are huge things we need to celebrate as well. So if any of those happen, I feel like it has been a year well done. That's wonderful to hear. I know that sometimes I forget. Um, This would be the first year that we actually didn't finish all of our curriculum by the time I said school was done. And um, probably from all that I've been learning from these wise (laughs) homeschool veterans, but um, we felt like we had a really good year, but I didn't I didn't get through the last week, the last couple of weeks. And I was like, it's going to be okay. But again, five years in this, the first year where I wasn't like, how am I going to squeeze that in? How am I going to make her do that, you know, on the slide? So she doesn't get frustrated with me that it's summertime, but I'm still doing schoolwork. Um, It's so easy to forget those simple things. I remember when I first started homeschooling um, our daughters, one of my girls could barely read a book in a, an entire year. And so when we first started and we used Bookshark, which is heavy literature, there was a long list of books. And there was times where I had to be like, it's okay, close that book or take as much time as you need. Just really be adaptable to her needs. And by her fourth year, when she finished, she read through like 13 novels without a problem. And so sometimes I know it's hard for parents who have been homeschooling this year, um, especially during this time, but it's been hard for everybody. Um, So it's hard to say, well, was this year a success or not a success? Do we give it another try? It's one of those things that I know wondering if you agree, like you have to do a couple years in this before you really start to even see some progress in different things, because you're sometimes you're teaching your child's um, concepts that they, maybe you thought they knew, but they didn't know. And so it's, it's like this process. And even those who are just doing it for a year, like it's just the process, right? Like, did you, did you do the things that you had set off? Did, did you do them perfectly? No, none of us do. But did you do the things that were important well? And I think that is um, one of the things that I have to remind myself at the end of every year. Like, okay, take a deep breath. They survived. That's true. And two, you know, I take for granted that this year I was home. I wasn't traveling for my business because there was nowhere to go. And I had more time with my children than I've probably ever had. And yet we didn't progress through the curriculum as fast as we had other years because I was simply just enjoying my time with them. We were doing gardening and kind of just dealing with life and the emotions and the questions. And, you know, it seemed like every day, 
parenting took up more and more time because of kind of the uncertainty in the world. And so when you're trying to explain your children what's going on in the news or why their friend isn't um, coming to an event or why why they're on video games all the time or just you're answering these really big questions, that's not extra minutes you find in your day. That's replacing something else. So you talking to your child about what's going on with the pandemic that might replace reading for the day. And that's just something you have to accept. That doesn't mean that time was lost or it didn't have value or they weren't learning. It's just really hard to like put down on your little homeschool planner, Um, but it counts. It really, really, really counts. I, I want parents to give them more credit than what they do for just being that emotional, strong support for their child, which is really what they needed so much this year, I think. I would say probably more so than push ahead in academics, because while everything else is falling apart, you know, part of me felt like, well, if we keep doing our curriculum, then we have like this one thing that's stable and, and we keep going. But it's almost like trying to to push yourself forward in, in a race when you know your your toes are broken. It's like you have to mend the toes. You have to be um, aware of your child's needs and aware of your own needs as, as the mm. parents. I think there was so much pressure. Um We had so many decisions to make. Granted, a lot of decisions were made for us um, with shutdowns and jobs and stuff like that. But then we all had very individual decisions that need to be made. um, And they looked very different than maybe even your neighbor or your family members. And so that, that pressure alone of, you know... I know in my house, I, I tend to over talk things. I talk things to death. I, instead of beating things to death, I'll talk them to death because I want my children to understand. And a lot of times I miss the cue that they get it. And then they'll like, look at my husband and be like, just make her stop. (laughs) Does she not understand where we, we got it 10 minutes ago, mom, we're good. But I'm like, do you really, do you really understand this is important? Um, but I think this is stuff that we just didn't have time to delve into, pre-pandemic, when we were traveling, when we were rushing around, when, you know, one kid has to be here and another kid has to be here. And, um, you know, another thing I I know, I hate to talk about the great things of this pandemic, but it, it really caused us to slow down and take stock into what really mattered. And our health, our health really does matter. We found that out this year, right? Like these are things that, that are important. And while we can read about it and talk about it, if we're not living out you know, to be healthy and to be aware of what causes us to be healthier, what brings unhealthiness into our life. Um, you know, these are things that I don't think we really delved into until this year when it was like very apparent, it was necessary, um, and decision-making, you know, how we make these decisions and why we make these decisions. And so, um, it has been a very, uh, different year, I think in our household as well, just, but, almost one where we could, if I allowed myself to kind of breathe a little easier, like it's okay. Again, evident in the fact that we didn't finish all of our curriculum this year and we're going to be okay. (laughs) Yes. And I did, you know, I learned some lessons too, because now I'm starting to plan for flights and hotels and all the things that, you know, is part of my business. And I'm thinking, do I really need to go to this? Is this Is this something that's going to add the value? Because now that I've had this time with my children, 
I'm kind of reevaluating. And I think that any parent who was homeschooling for the first time this year, even if they're like, the second schools are open, I'm throwing them back in. There's a part of them I'm seeing where they're like, okay, how can I capture these moments another way? Or is this time we spent together something that we can keep going in some fashion, even if I have to go back to work at night and homeschooling was just a temporary thing for us. It's definitely reframed the way we think about time with our children. Which is a beautiful thing that we've been given this opportunity. Um, It will be interesting for the parents who have um, experienced this homeschooling in during a pandemic. Um, to see who decides to continue on to see if, you know, we talked a lot of, a lot of things that people missed out on. You kind of touched on when we talked about homeschool myth was socialization and the different opportunities. I mean, I would say before a pandemic, we were so busy. I had a hard time saying no to things, but I needed to, cause it, it just didn't have enough time in the day. And then we got thrown into quarantine and being home and don't go anywhere. Um, and so you didn't get to really have the richness of what homeschool can be when things are available to us, the resources and whatnot. So um, it will be interesting to see those who decide to give it another year, because I think that would be fair Mm -hmm. to say, okay, well, last year didn't really count as far as a true homeschooling year um, because of all the wonderful things they keep hearing that people get to do that they did not get to do with their kids. Um, or that, you know, how much more stressful it was to plan something only for it to get canceled if they, you know, all the different things, but, um, you know, and those who did it for a year and felt satisfied, you know, like you said, there are those parents who are waiting to hear that their schools are going to be open and, and for whatever reason, for their family, for their work, that's just how it is going to be for their family. Um, but can look back and go, okay, here are the things that I really enjoyed this year with my kids, Yes, we cried during math. We all cried, right? Like, <laughs> who hasn't? I don't feel like you really experienced homeschool until you've cried with your children over something. <laughs> One of my daughters was literally crocodile tears onto her workbook. And I said, will you just look at the cover of that? And she's like, why? And she was crying on handwriting without tears. <laughs> I said, I don't think that's what you're supposed to do with that book. <laughs> The irony, the irony of the tears on that page. Definitely, definitely. So I have heard that you have a graduate in your midst. Oh, yeah. My oldest experiment. Um, so my kids have all been homeschooled since the beginning. But with her at, you know, age five, six, as we were moving around, we were like, let's we're just going to give it one year. So like a lot of these parents coming out of this last year, it was just, well, we'll give it another year and we'll try another year. And then before you know it, she's, we're doing it with the rest of them and she's graduating high school and she went to college and she did four years and she did graduate. And there were times, you know, sometimes you, you know, they did okay on the tests, you know, they can get in, you see them doing the work, but there's still that like nagging voice in the back of your head, like, did we do enough? Because if someone else had taught them, you could just blame it. (laughs) You could blame it on them. But when your kid is in college, uh, you have to, this is when you think about, oh, we should have done this, or is this going to stick? Or, you know, you just really 
you see if the proof is in the pudding, I guess. So yeah, it was a little stressful to watch her go through those four years. Um, exciting. And now when she graduated, I am not an emotional person, but I was a little, <laughs> I was a little like, okay, yeah, we, this, this can work. I needed like that proof. So it was, it was validating too. Now, when she started college, did she come up against any um, maybe preconceptions because she was a homeschool kid? No. And I didn't know till later that because no one asked, she never um, told anybody she was homeschooled. Um, You know, she'd done sports in a homeschool group. She'd done, you know, prom, all the things like you would do in a high school, but through homeschool co-op groups. And so from like the social aspect, she was just another kid. It was actually when she started taking college literature courses and the professors were like, what are your favorite books? And she's saying, oh, Dante's Inferno. And some of these books were, they're just going, hmm? That the professors knew she was homeschooled, but among her peers, it wasn't until I think they were doing some kind of cheer for the football games or something where they looked at her like, how do you not know this? And she's like, I was homeschooled. And it, it, I don't think any other time it ever really came out. So she, yeah, she blended in really well, I guess. (laughs) Now, what is the age of your next oldest? What phase are you in now with that one? 17, um, finishing the last year and a half of, of high school. We go year round um, through the summer. We just have to with our schedule. And then we have a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 7-year-old. And all those that are home right now, all five are boys. So it's it's rowdy. Like, like you said, like you needed that proof. You needed to go all the way to the end to get your daughter graduated through college to be like, oh, okay. <laughs> this did work. You know, you, it's like that idea of you have all the best intentions, you have all the good curriculum and you're going through your day to day. And and let's be honest with people. Like we're still kind of going like, um, hope that works. (laughs) That, and I, I get encouraged, but also discouraged by all the great new curriculum and tools and resources. And I think I have to buy them all. I think I have to do them all because I'm like, I don't want my kids to miss out. That FOMO is huge with homeschool parents. And sometimes it's just like, I can justify buying books all day long because I can count as a business expense or a homeschool expense. But sometimes it's like, oh, there's this cool new way to teach a foreign language. Should we be doing this? Like, is this the thing? And that's that's the struggle. I don't think that's ever really going to go away. That's my personal Like I have to just remember, no, we're doing this and it's already working and we don't need to confuse the kids with a hundred new things, but could this be the, could this be the, the answer? And so I have to really pull myself back from that type of thinking. I have learned to engage my children in those discussions because when I get really excited about something, I'm like, Hey guys, look at this. Do you want to try it this way? They're like, Nope. (laughs) I'm like, it doesn't this look exciting. Look at the pages. Look at the, you know, manipulatives. They're like, it's working just fine. Yeah. <laughs> Shut it down. If it's not broke, we don't fix it, mom. <laughs> I know. It's so amazing. It's like my children are the ones that keep me grounded in that when I like get so excited and they're like, not even interested in that. I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> they're like, well, if you're interested in it, you can do it. <laughs> I'm like, well. 
It's true. Lifelong learners, right? That's what we really, we truly really and really want with these kids. So, well, do you have some final words for our parents who are just listening? They, they've heard, you know, that they can take a deep breath, that they can kind of chalk this year up to um, what's done is done and list the things that they did well and let go of everything um, that hasn't gone maybe according to plan, which that's just part of homeschooling life. Um, but maybe if there's a parent who's on the fence about returning to homeschooling next year, do you have some words of encouragement for them? Sure. Well, just understand that nothing is permanent. Like nothing is permanent. Um, just like if you were to move and have to pull your child from one school and put them in another, um, that's not permanent where they came from. And so, you know, if you're leaning towards homeschooling and you want to give it a try, it's still kind of in this loosey goosey time, you know, schools are starting to come back, but there's going to be catch up. There's going to be getting kids reacclimated to the classroom. It's, it's not just all neat. We're going to put the kids back in the box type of thing. It's there's going to be a growth period. So I would just encourage parents, if you do not want your child to be a participant in the growth experiment of trying to get kids back into school and you feel like they've done well and had some growth and you want to try homeschooling again, this is still a really great time to do it. Um, And you only get better as you go. You only get more, I wouldn't say confident because I don't know that I ever feel fully confident, but you know your child more. And that is your biggest advantage. So as you get to know your child more, you know what works, you get rid of what doesn't work, you become more efficient, you become more in tune. Like, it, it can only get better from here. So I just want parents to know that it is it is a learning curve that's pretty steep. But if you've done it so far, you've gotten through a lot of that that growth that you do in that first year. And I would recommend you just to, to see where you could go with it. Well, I agree. I would also recommend Lindsay's book, which is Homeschool Hacks. If you have spent the last year um, kind of just getting by, then maybe this year, um, maybe through reading through her book or getting some more support throughout your community, you can um, find ways to be a little bit more organized. I know as a part-time working mom and full-time homeschool mom, um, some of her suggestions in here about how to arrange your day and what your homeschool can look like if you are working um, from home were very helpful. So Lindsay, I just want to thank you so much for writing the book. It was a joy to read. Um, And thank you so much for coming on today and talking with me and encouraging our listeners. We hope that uh, you do well this coming year as everything reopens and you are making the decisions about where to go with your business. Uh, We wish you the best of luck. Thank you for the kind words and the opportunity. I appreciate it. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to Homeschool Your Way. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Homeschool Your Way, a podcast by Bookshark. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening now so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you have questions you'd like the hosts to answer or have any feedback about the podcast, please visit bookshark.com podcast to leave your comments. Or you can simply email podcast at bookshark.com.